Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59. And um, Jeannie and I always enjoy coming to Faith Builders, DeSoto, Kansas. Your pastors are like our spiritual kids. And uh, we just feel really at home here. Enjoyed a nice lunch with them today and got to meet Philip's sister. And she... um, told us the other side of all of his stories. No. <laughs> I told her, I said, that's what my sister says a lot of times. She says, Bubba, one of these days I'm going to tell my side of all your stories. <laughs> but um, I apologize for um, having to um, preach and run, but we've, we've got to be out the airport to catch our flight back because tomorrow morning I have to start uh, uh, Karis Bible College in Colorado Springs. We were supposed to fly from here to there, but Andrew called and said, the governor of Colorado has said no more speakers from outside the state of Arkansas, I mean outside the state of Colorado, can come uh, to his college. So he said, we're going to have to do it virtual, which means I have to start tomorrow morning uh, teaching to a camera uh, for my class up there. So I, I didn't want to tell Philip, I couldn't stay tonight, but I said, I'll have to make it abbreviated. I said, we'll have to have an early service, and then I have to run to the airport so I can get out in time to get home. Uh, mention again to you the latest book, Seasons, Signs, and Spiritual Things. It's available back there. You can buy it, and uh, we'll, we'll send it to you. We'll ship it to you because we don't have them yet. Um, in Isaiah chapter 59... Uh, I want us to read, beginning with verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. Now, as we close out part two of the main thing, I want to show you who the standard is that God said he would raise up when the enemy comes in like a flood. Now, when the enemy comes in like a flood, again, is a metaphor. It is um, an explanation, uh, and it's confirmed over in Peter. If you'll turn over to 1 Peter 5, 8, the best way to interpret Scripture is... uh, two or three scriptures referring to the same thing. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion. Say, as a roaring lion. As a roaring lion. Satan is not a roaring lion. Satan is not a flood. He's never been a flood. He can't be a flood. A flood is uncontainable. You can contain a trickle, a stream, a river, but you cannot contain a flood. 
So this is a metaphor. He is saying he is like a flood. He's not one. He can't be one. He's not a roaring lion. He's trying to make you think he is. And everything that's happened to us this year is Satan trying to make you think he's a flood, that he's a roaring lion, and you can't contain him. The only uh, you know, deficit in that way of thinking is Jesus already contained him. He defeated him. He's a, a defeated foe. As John Osteen used to say, we are to demonstrate Satan's defeat. So Isaiah 59, 19 says, When the enemy comes in like a flood, as a roaring lion, it also refers to that same metaphor in Revelation 12, 15. It says, And the serpent shall open his mouth, and out shall come like a flood. So we have two or three witnesses that this Isaiah 59, 19 scripture is correct, the way it stands, the way it's written. What it's trying to say is that there is a standard that the Lord has raised up against the enemy that tries to come in like a flood or as a roaring lion. Now go over to Matthew 16. And I want you to see that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is safe and secure, just like Jesus said it would be. Matthew 16 and verse 18. I say unto thee that you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Everybody's concerned about the church. What about the church? I was asked to speak at an idea exchange several years ago, uh, a group of young ministers in um, Oklahoma City, and they were trying to decide what the church is going to look like 10 years from now, 20 years from now. This was about 10, 15 years ago. And I was old enough to be their father, and they asked me to come, and I wondered why. And after they went around the table and they all expressed, you know, what they thought and what they were doing and how they're going to reach the next generation, they said, well, Pastor Cole, we'd like to know what you think. What do you, what do you have to say about this? I said, well, why are you asking me? I'm of another generation. And, you know, this current generation sometimes doesn't want to hear what the previous generation thinks. They want to do all the talking. They don't want to sit and listen. Did you know that's unbiblical? That's not scriptural. All the young men were supposed to sit at the old men's feet. No, I'm not an old man, but I, they're supposed to sit <laughs> at the previous generation and listen to them. And it says uh, the, the older uh, ministers are to teach the younger ministers. So I read the scripture to them. I said, guys, I appreciate everything you're doing. You're reaching your generation. I think you're doing wonderful, but you don't need to be concerned about the church. The Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Uh, the church is, uh, you know, uh, secure and safe. Jesus is the advocate general of the church. He is the chief shepherd. He's watching over his flock, and we don't have a thing to be worried about or afraid of. Amen? So God said, I'm going to raise up a standard against the enemy when he comes in like a flood. Now, I'm going to submit to you that this standard, there, there are a lot of descriptive terms, but this standard is the church. A standard is highly prized in war, a banner upon which is engraved victories won, 
truth over terror, purity over lust, righteousness over injustice, love over hate. I served six years in the United States Navy, two years at sea on two different ships. And the standard in nautical terms is the American flag. You would take the standard, which is the American flag, and you would take it from the bow to the stern. We did that every day. The standard is something that's immovable. It's something that we salute. And when you see athletes and people that are ignorant, you know, not wanting to salute the flag and not wanting to pledge allegiance to the flag, you just know they're, they're ignorant people. They don't understand anything about a standard or our flag or what it costs or America. Amen. You know, how many of you know we don't teach American history in our schools anymore? <clears throat> I grew up with a whole different set of rules and standards in our generation. Okay. The standard, the love of God, the word of God, and the church of God. The church is to represent that standard. Now, let me get into the meat of what I want to talk about tonight. Go over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm going to read you the King James Version, the Amplified Version, and the New International Reader's Version, because I want you to be sure and get this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to show you where we are now, what we're experiencing in our culture, and what is going to happen before the rapture of the church, after the rapture of the church. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Now, he starts off and he says in verse 1, I am beseeching you uh, by our gathering together unto him. Did you get that? Our gathering together unto him. The scripture says that the rapture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will take place when Jesus catches up the church. We are caught up to meet him in the air. Granted, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Uh, but, you know, neither is Trinity, neither are a lot of things that we use, whatever. But the rapture simply talks about a catching away. And there's already been two raptures for those that, you know, don't understand or don't know. Uh, Enoch was caught up. Jesus was caught up. So the rapture of the church is not some unnatural phenomenon, it's the rapturing, the catching away of the church to meet the Lord Jesus in the air. And remember when Jesus was standing there talking in Acts chapter 1, and all of a sudden he was taken up in a cloud? And the angel said, why stand you here gazing? That same Jesus will return just like he left. So we know he's going to return. We know he's coming back. Now, we're at this little sliver of time, this little window of time, right before the rapture. Nobody knows when it's going to take place. Even Jesus doesn't know. And the Father is the only one that knows. And we are told to be ready, to be watchful, to be looking for Him, uh, because uh, He could come back at 
any minute. He could come back before we get to the airport. We wouldn't have to fly home. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I used to think, because I saw these pictures about the rapture of the church, and I saw the church company going up, twirling like this, like y'all won't know what I'm talking about because cartoon characters back when I was a kid, little sweet pea gowns, and these people were just going up into the atmosphere, and they had little tails uh, traveling along behind them, and, and you just saw them going up towards this light. I'm not so sure that that's the way it's going to be. It says that we will be in the twinkling of an eye in one place and in the twinkling of an eye in another place. So, you know, I don't know that we're going to have time to go... (laughs) I think we're just going to be here this twinkling of an eye and there in that twinkling of an eye. Whoo, hallelujah. Okay, let's, let's go back to, to reading. Verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. Now, isn't that what Jesus said? We read the scripture this morning, Matthew 24. Uh, he said, don't be deceived. Take heed that no man deceive you. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the gathering together unto him, that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Everybody say that. A falling away first. We're in that period of time right now. It's called the apostasy. A falling away. A revealing of something that's been hidden. It says that the rapture of the church, the the catching away of the church, cannot take place until... There come a falling away first. Now, I'll explain that a little bit more as we read the Amplified. And that man of sin be revealed. Notice the man of sin is not revealed until after the falling away and the gathering together. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of... What did it say? Perdition. What did Jesus say in John 17 when he told the Father, I've kept all these disciples that you've given me except the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Here's the revelation of that right here. The son of perdition. This is the departure of the church. Verse 4. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's Satan's desire. Now, let me uh, read this to you out of the Amplified. And hopefully I can work this like my six-year-old great-grandson can. Okay, here we go. Now, this is the Amplified. Now, in regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to meet Him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly unsettled or alarmed 
either by a so-called prophetic revelation of a spirit or a message or a letter alleged to be from us to affect that day of the Lord that it's already taken place. Let no one in any way deceive or entrap you, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That is, now listen to this very carefully, listen to the language. That great rebellion, what do we see on the 6 o'clock news every night? Rebellion, riots, shootings. The abandonment of the faith by professed Christians. Whoa. Hmm. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, the Antichrist, the one who is destined to be destroyed. Now, what we see now going on, the lawlessness, the rebellion, the rioting, it's not just about injustice. It's not just about justice. It's paid protesters that have been transported from one state to another to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, let me go over to this other version. I'd never heard this before. Brothers and sisters, we want to ask you something. It has to do with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It concerns the time when we will go to be with Him. What if you received a message that's supposed to have come from us? What if it says that the day of the Lord has already come? If it does, we ask you not to become easily upset or alarmed. Don't be upset whether the message is spoken or written or prophesied. Don't let anyone trick you in any way. That day will not come, listen to the language again, until people rise up against God. All of the rebellion is against God. The shutting down of churches is against God. There are people, pastors, congregations that are suing their state, their governor, their mayors. The mayors and governors are ignorant. They don't even know what they're doing, but they're being used by this spirit of Antichrist. Not the Antichrist. He hadn't showed up yet. But they're used, being used by the spirit of Antichrist to attack the church. We're in a time of lawlessness. The Bible talks about uh, the mystery of iniquity. That's what we're seeing going on right now. All of the rebellion. Granted, there is a lot of injustice going on. There, There are things that are going on that shouldn't be going on. But it's all according to the scriptures. It's all according to the plan. It's all being listed right here. Listen. That day will not come against unless people rise up until people rise up against God. It will not come until the man of sin appears. He is a marked man. He is headed for ruin. He will oppose everything that is called God. He will oppose everything. He will give himself power. He will set himself up in God's temple. He will announce that he himself is God. Don't you remember when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? 
Now here we get into the good part. Now you know what is holding back the man of sin? He is held back so that he can make his, he can make his appearance at the right time. Remember this morning I told you about a moed is the set time. It's an appointed time. Uh, Brother Hagin used to make this difference. It, it, it bears repeating because it's, it's good Bible sense and good common sense. And I taught a whole series one time on mistaught and misunderstood scriptures. You know, people will say, well, you know, the Bible says that there's an appointed time to die. No, it doesn't. It says <laughs> it's appointed unto man once to die. But it doesn't say there's an appointed time to die. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to die. But it doesn't say there's an appointed time to die. You have no appointed time to die. There is no expiration date tattooed on your foot. Psalm 91 says you can live as long as you're satisfied. Hallelujah. It just depends on you. If there was an appointed time for you to die, that's Calvinism, fatalism. Why live? Oh, what if you're flying on an airplane and it's the pilot's appointed time to die? You're dead by proxy. You had nothing to do with it. (laughs) Uh, Let me read it again. Remember when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. You know what's holding back the man of sin? He is held back so that he can make his appearance at the right time. What's holding him back? What's holding the man of sin back? The church. The church is the standard that's holding the man of sin back. The church is the standard that is restraining. The man of sin cannot show up. Antichrist, beast system, false prophet, cannot show up until the church has been caught up. Our first church we pastored was downtown Little Rock, inner city church. It was an old Baptist church that they had vacated, moved on, so we leased it and rented it. And across the front of the church was all glass. It was a beautiful church. The glass doors were about that thick. And, you know, they had to have space in between them. And so there was a space in between them about that big. And it, it was just Jenny and I was the pastor, and she was the secretary of whatever. She did whatever needed to be done, and just the two of us. And one night about dark, we, I heard a knock on those glass doors. So I went to the doors, and there's a space in between there, and I saw two guys standing there, and they both had Bibles. Now, inner city church, right off the freeway, we had a lot of people come in there. We didn't know who they were, where they were going, what they were about, a lot of nuts and so forth, fruit nuts and flakes. You know, we assume they came from California, but anyway. (laughs) Anyway, so I said, may I help you? And they very seriously, soberly said to me, we're the two witnesses. Book of Revelation. We're the two witnesses. 
I said, the two witnesses. I just couldn't resist it. I said, you boys are a bit early, aren't you? <laughs> they didn't think it was funny at all. They dusted off their garments that were so filthy they just stood up by themselves and they left. It's not time. It's not time for the man of sin. It's not time for the Antichrist. It's not time for the false prophet. It's not time for the beast system. None of those things can come into play until the standard, the church, the restrainer that's withholding all of this is taken out of the way. Now, let me go back to the Amplified. Uh, oh, here, here it is. Uh, he, he, the man of sin is held back. Um, the, the, he, he, the power of sin, the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. But the one who now holds back that power will keep doing it until he is taken out of the way. Now, two things I want to call your attention to. The word he. Some people think the restraining is the Holy Spirit. Well, he certainly is due he. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's referred to as he. He's, the Holy Spirit's not an it. But the problem, if you put the Holy Spirit in there, is the Holy Spirit is, is not ever leaving the Holy Spirit's not going to be taken out of the way. So, well, well, the church is going to be raptured. Yeah, but there's 144,000 Jewish evangelists that are going to preach in the gospel during the tribulation period, and the Holy Spirit's going to empower them. So the Holy Spirit, and people are going to be born again. Did you know that people are going to be saved, born again during the great tribulation period? And they're going to come in, into the millennial reign. You're going to have all kinds of folks in that millennial reign. So, <laughs> these, where'd it go? I lost my place. Okay. He can't make his appearance until the right time. The secret power of sin is already at work, but the one who now holds back that power will keep doing it until he is taken out of the way. Then the man of sin will appear. The he, you say, well, pastor, I have a problem with that. He, he referring to the church. I thought the church was, was she, or church was the bride of Christ. Let me help you with this. This was a great revelation to me. It helped me tremendously. The church is the body of Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one. Everybody agrees, even the, the Muslims agree that Jesus was a great prophet and walked on the earth. I mean, most people today that are honest will agree Jesus Christ lived, died, and walked on the earth. So we are his body. So we are the body of the God-man. He now, in relationship, we are the bride. In position, we're the body. Amen. It'll help you. 
In relationship, the church is to Christ as a bride is to a groom. In relationship. But in position, we're his body. The church is his body and can easily be referred to as he. Besides that, if you read Revelation, you'll find out that John the Revelator said, let me show you the bride of Christ. And he showed the city four square. The new Jerusalem. There's so much interlocking here that I don't, I don't have time to, to take any side trips right now. <laughs> Let me go back to the Amplified and see what it says. Okay. Um, that great rebellion, the abandonment of faith, the man of lawlessness. Remember when I was telling you these things? You know what restrains him now from being revealed. It is so that he will, will be revealed at his own appointed time. For the mystery of lawlessness, rebellion against divine authority. Boy, are we seeing that or what? Rebellion against divine authority. And the coming reign of lawlessness is already at work. But it is restrained. Only until he who now restrains it is taken out of the way. Now another little note here. The body of Christ and, and the, Holy, the Holy Spirit is not going to be taken out. The Holy Spirit's going to continue. The body of Christ is going to be taken out and out of the way. So we are not going to uh, diminish, but we are going to be taken out of the way, and this is all in God's plan, so the man of sin can be revealed. Then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed and the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and bring him to an end by the appearance of his coming. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let me turn this off. Question. What are we supposed to be doing now? We know that the standard is the church. We know that the church is withholding all the evil. The body of Christ is the restrainer that is preventing. And don't you know he's mad about it? He is we are preventing the Antichrist from coming and the man of sin from being revealed, the false prophet, the beast system that's all set up, ready to go into the great tribulation period. All he has to do is wait until we leave. But we're still here. Hallelujah. Now why are we still here? To continue to withhold and restrain the Antichrist 
from coming on the scene. Next time somebody gets fed up with you as a Christian, you say, hey, you better be glad I'm here. If, if I wasn't here, if the church wasn't here, you know, when our governor, governor of Arkansas, when he uh, started, you know, suggesting, requesting people observe social distancing, wearing masks, sitting six feet apart and all that, he did start closing uh, certain businesses, institutions, whatever. He asked the church to, you know, you know, make wise decisions. He was, he was very good at handling this situation. And for six months, he was on a PBS a station there in Arkansas, public broadcasting, uh, Channel 2, Arkansas Educational Network. He was on there every afternoon, 1.30 to 2, uh, communicating with the people of Arkansas for six months, helping them understand what's going on, how many people had the virus, what we were doing about it, whatever. But when he started opening things back up, and I figured up, just you were, we were talking today, I figured up proportionally uh, a percentage of how many people in the state of Arkansas, because we're a small rural state, a uh, small population, only 3 million people in the whole state, and you compare that with all the people in the world, <laughs> you can hardly even measure how many people got the virus in Arkansas or how many people died. It's like it's less than one-tenth of one percent. That doesn't minimize or make their lives less important. But he started opening things up. Well, he opened up the... the uh, uh, beauty salons, he opened up the tattoo parlor, parlors, and he opened up the bars. And so I sent him an email. I said, Governor, it is not right for you to open up beauty salons, barbershops, tattoo parlors, etc., and keep the churches closed. He opened the churches the next week. What are we doing? We're restraining. We're withholding. We're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some churches hadn't had it that easy. I mean, out in California, they had to sue. Uh, other churches have had to sue. They've had to stand uh, against uh, all this intimidation. But that's who we are. And that's what we're here for. The standard of the Spirit is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The love, the faith, we provide the resistance against the enemy. He cannot overcome it. He has to wait until we leave. Boy, I tell you what, you might, you might get to shouting over the power and the authority. And see, the scriptures says love never fails. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Uh, James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So, there's no reason for us to be afraid. There's no reason for us to fear. There's no reason for us to throw up our hands. 
There's no reason for us to be intimidated. You might say, we're in the driver's seat. And we need to tell mayors, governors, officials, do it in love, do it respectfully. Don't be stupid. But we need to let people know, especially those people that you know that are fearful and afraid. Look, the devil is limited. He can fight, he can scream, he can holler, he can do all kinds of things. But he can't, do, he can't take over until we're out of here. Hallelujah. Now there are those, even preachers, national preachers, well-known preachers, that believe we're in the, in the great tribulation period right now. And they believe we're going to go through it. And you'll see, and this is what I deal with in the books, um, season signs, spiritual things. <laughs> I want to make sure that people aren't being deceived, misled. Because there's all kinds of people on TV, all kinds of people um, <clears throat> writing books. I was listening to uh, uh, an author describe his latest book, and he was giving all kinds of allegories, uh, comparisons, analytical um, descriptions of things. And, you know, you can, you can compare. This is what, I guess, bugs me the most. Somebody says, oh, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, the, uh, the eagle swooped down and uh, destroyed the temple and, uh, blah, blah, blah. And right now, they were re reminiscing about 9-11 and said, uh, and the, the planes flew down and destroyed the Twin Towers. And he said, I remember watching it. And he said, when that plane hit that, he said, and the plane went on. And he said, and there was an eagle on the tail of that plane. And so they said, oh, this is, God is judging and pouring out his wrath. What did we read this morning? He hadn't appointed us to wrath. And my friend, if you don't know it, every American Airlines jet has an eagle on the tail. That's right. There's nothing prophetic about that. That's right. That's <laughs> but we try to take everything that's happening and, and, and build on it. When if you know the truth, the knowledge of the truth will make you free. Amen. Free from fear, free from worry, free from anxiety. How many people do you think have died? Um, and I hear all kinds of stories. You know, if you go into a hospital and you, and you die of some lung disease, they'll put it down as COVID. They, they, one report I read said they even, they even get more money if they list you right. died from COVID right. as if you died from, um, you know, whatever. So there's going to be those kind of stories that are going to take place. And somebody's always coming up and saying, Pastor, did you hear this? Did you hear that? Well, no, I didn't. But I read this. Amen. Amen. And I depend on the Holy Spirit to tell me the truth uh, about this. Now, I don't know about you, but that brings comfort to me because I know where I am by the grace of God, who I am Amen. by the grace of God, and the time that I'm living in by the grace of God. And I know what's happening now is already foretold in the scripture. And I know what's going to happen in the future. Amen. So 
you know, I'm, my job as being part of the standard is to keep the main thing the main thing and to keep telling the truth and to keep ministering to people. Like I told you, when my granddaughter called me and said, Granddad, have you ever been through anything like this? What are we supposed to be doing? Well, she's raising a six-year-old. What's she supposed to be doing? She's supposed to be teaching him what she knows. My other granddaughter in Nashville, she's got two boys. And when, they, when the two families get together, there's three little boys. And I told her when she's getting ready to have the second little boy. The first boy's name was Graham. And they said, uh, anybody in the family got a suggestion on what we should name our second son? I said, how about Cracker? <laughs> Graham Cracker. She said, no, we're not going to name him Cracker. <laughs> we named him Owen. I said, okay. You got, we've got Owen, Graham, Jace, they're like six, five, four. And I told uh, Tabitha, that's the second granddaughter, I told her, I said, Tabitha, are you ready <laughs> for another little boy? She said, Granddaddy, I don't think anybody's ready for two boys at the same time. You know, they're only a year or so apart. But she's got her hands filled teaching them training them, raising them up. Every one of us have somebody that we can share this truth with. Amen? Would you all stand and let me pray for you? And again, I apologize for having to run, but we so love you and so look forward to being here today, even though if it wasn't a full uh, two-hour message. Father, I pray for this revelation to take root in this part of your body, in this congregation. And I pray for you to bring back to their remembrance all that they've been taught, all that they know, all they've heard, so that they can continue to be the standard. They can keep the main thing, the main thing. And they can bring peace and comfort to their families, their friends, their neighborhood, their jobs, their fellow Christians who don't know these things, people that are afraid and fearful, I pray that they would be able to bring peace. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. And I ask you to bless every person here. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Uh, before we go, did, did, did what I share uh, tonight bring clarity to you in, yes, sir. in some ways? Did it help yes, you sir. At, yes, sir. at all? This book is not out yet, but it will be, but you can get your copy. And I don't deal with exactly what I taught uh, tonight, but there are a lot of things in here uh, that I uh, dealt with to help bring stability to the body of Christ to help people maintain their um, stability and not, as Paul said and as Jesus said, and not be deceived. And, you know, you, you need to learn to be able, not argue, but you need to be able to discuss these things with other people. Amen?
especially the younger generation. Because, you know, unless they've been raised in a church like this, they don't, they don't have a clue. They don't know anything about this. And so they're just, you know, they're out there to be overwhelmed and deceived by the other voices that are out there. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks, everybody.